evil power will course through my veins. And I shall make you cauldron born. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. Of Kerkusky. <laughs> yes. Colin of Kerkusky, right. Colin of Kerkusky. <laughs> yes. And this time we are going to be discussing The Black Cauldron, the 1985 Disney movie based on the Lloyd Alexander book of the same name. Well, loosely book. based. How about inspired yeah. by... Right. Tangentially inspired. (laughs) It's at least as inspired by the Black Cauldron as Eagle Eye was from that Asimov short story. (laughs) Touche. (laughs) Yeah. So really, the movie is a severely edited down Book of Three and the Black Cauldron, all wrapped up into one incoherent package. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With, With a hefty dose of Disney editing. With a hefty dose of Disney editing, plus some extra Disney editing, but... Uh, Disneyfication. Yes. So I, I was thinking about this one, and I mentioned it before, right? Should we even talk about the books first? Because I, I feel like there's so little of them in the movie that it might just make sense to start with the movie. Yeah. Yeah? Sure, sure. And the fact is, we all watched the movie first because I wanted James to experience the movie prior to having read any of the books. <laughs> Colin and I couldn't do that. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, but... I guess this this is where we go into uh, history with the material. So, James, no previous history with any of the material. Correct. Colin, history with the material? Uh, well, the Cottage Grove Public Library had an almost <laughs> full set of these books, and I'm pretty sure I read them in the uh, late 1970s. What does wow. almost full set mean? They only had four of the five books. Yeah, I was missing well, book three. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> no, I'm missing the book of three right now. It's Yeah, but it's missing three of the series. <laughs> so you read book one, two, and four, and five? <laughs> yes. You can do oh, that. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. It, it is possible to do. Each of the yeah. books, you know, somewhat stand on their own, but uh, they're more coherent altogether. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you saw the movie as well in 1985? Uh, probably a little bit later in 85 is, you know, VHS video. Okay. Nice. So... Yeah, I saw this one when I was well. So I re- I read the books same same as you, just not from the Cottage Grove Public Library. My mother gave them to me, <laughs> and I read them in fifth or sixth grade. And for some more on the actual books, you can go and listen to an episode that Colin and I did of my comfort reading series that I've started on Hugo's. There, we talked about all the Perdane Chronicles, not in a ton of detail, but I'll put a link in the show oh, notes okay. if you haven't listened to that already. But yeah, so I read them all when I was a kid and then revisited them later, but we'll, maybe we'll talk more about that when we get to the books. I was super excited when I saw that there was going to be a Black Cauldron movie. And Mm -hmm. so it was just a crushing disappointment to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is not eight o'clock in the morning. I can tell you that. Um, And, uh, it's not even eight o'clock in the evening. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I remember showing the movie to Ethan as well. And, uh, and then I wanted to try to rewatch it this time and try to give it a, a, it's, it's chance kind of separate from the books, try and separate it from the books as much as possible. And so we'll see how successful I was with that. Um, but maybe we should talk about overall thoughts. And I'd like to start with James because it was his first time, first time seeing the movie and had my books. I'm a black cauldron version. Yes. No longer. (laughs) Uh, Real quick to the, where to find the books. I was going to say, I did actually find them on Amazon for like 
really cheap for the entire set. Yeah, it's like twenty five bucks. I think it was less than that. Oh, because I think it was like twelve or eleven bucks for Kindle. Because I, yeah, for Kindle. Huh. Uh, Because I remember I was actually we have enough like um the Amazon e credit Uh where I could have bought most of it, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was before I knew that Colin had it available to borrow. Right. Um, And so. I was going to do that. And then Colin's like, oh, no, I got it. You can borrow. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. I'll save myself the 10 bucks. But either way, you can get five books for 10 bucks. Pretty, pretty, pretty good, I think. But yeah, it was something like that. It was like 10 or 12 bucks. It was pretty, I was surprised to find it that inexpensive. Anyway. So. Yeah. Anyhow, we're not talking about the books. I want, I want your opinion of right. the movie having never read them. The movie. Um, all right. Where to begin? <laughs> And we did watch this one on Disney Plus. <laughs> we did. I think uh, my my first impression of like watching the movie. Well, first of all, uh, what's his face? Ter- Taryn? How do you say his name? Taryn. I forget. Taryn. Mm-hmm. Taryn's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sexist, racist, ignorant imbecile. The entire movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which which sort of mirrors his character in the book. But anyway, um, there's that. Uh, and about probably 15 minutes into it, I'm like, huh. This is like a Lord of the Rings abridged knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it was very, very Disney, very Disney animation. Yes. Um, I didn't miss the beard yet, so that's okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> the beard. Dal- Dal- Dalvin's beard. beard? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because you guys went off and I'm like, hey, 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 I haven't seen it. I haven't read it yet. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think overall, the movie just seemed kind of inconsistent shallow and like i said it was very i guess very 80s and mm-hmm. it's social underpinnings i suppose okay uh yeah yeah and it wasn't wasn't yeah okay i guess i didn't know any better about any of the characters really by then uh so i won't go there um okay but yeah that's about it yeah i don't know that i would watch it again it's pretty painful <laughs> <laughs> Well, we should mention just as usual. We're oh, oh, go oh wait, wait, one more here. thing. One more thing. Okay. I did ask. I did ask Emily for her M rating. Okay, and she's and like, the answer was. It, it, oh, f-. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's literally. So, so we're gonna call that an F. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. You can you uh, can figure that one out, Seth. <laughs> I can figure that one out. Yeah. Magic of editing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I literally thought that you had forgotten what she said. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's exactly what she said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was not a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Colin, you, you had experienced the movie movie before. How did it hit you this time? It's got a good soundtrack. Okay. That's true. I'll go with you on that. So, so you were uh, detailing a list of the things you liked about it? Oh, no, that was just, the, I think, on the highest thing I could say about it. <laughs> that's okay. the only one. <laughs> Uh, the the animation was pretty good. It, yeah. You know, the few cases where they used computer animation, I think it worked worked okay. Mm-hmm. Did um, they use computer animation? It, they did in a few limited places. Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. see any eight bit stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the reasons that the budget got so high. Oh uh, wow! It, all the characters have the right names, <laughs> right. sorta. And there is a black cauldron <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, so so black cauldrons matter, right? Black cauldrons do matter. <laughs> We should start that hashtag. Would definitely not be misunderstood. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for me, I feel like it's a perfectly fine Disney movie. It's different than a lot of the stuff that was coming out at that time, like the Fox and the Hound or um, 
Was that a Disney movie? I think it was. Yes. Yeah. It was. Or, or you yeah. know, Lady and the Tramp or, you know, any of the classic mm-hmm. Disney animation. And that there were no songs in it. It wasn't a musical. Mm-hmm. It did have a strong score. I liked that. I did. I like Colin. I liked some of the animation in it. Um, the tone is substantially different than a lot of 80s movies. A little darker. It's 80 minutes long. 80 minutes. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and there's no lack of material to adapt if they wanted to. Exactly. And this is this is the thing, right? This pulls parts of The Book of Three and The Black Cauldron, which could easily make three movies, and they made one. And and so, right. I don't know. I I thought it was fine. I, I know there are people who are really big fans of the movie. I actually was watching a Nostalgia Critic. He did a, a video on the movie as well. And all of them are, are just like, wait, do you like this movie or do you dislike it? And they're like, mm, it's complicated. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> There's definitely some serious studio meddling that went on. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg evidently went through and just started butchering it, just pulling stuff out of it. Um, oh, because some of it didn't test very well, uh, from what I understand. And so you, <laughs> Did you any end of up it with, test well? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you end up with a with the movie being a little bit of a mess, very rushed, you know, at 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, while I think the movie is enjoyable. It's a brutal adaptation. Yeah. If you were familiar with the books and you wanted to go in to see something that was like the books, you, you did were not going to be that. disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Right. If you just wanted to see a Disney movie, mm-hmm. you were going to be fairly disappointed because it's, <laughs> it's not like a Disney movie. It's it's dark right. and there's mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, lo- loss and death and other things in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's this this funny, and I hate to use a bad example, but it's like there's a Jar Jar Binks comedian relief in there and it <laughs> right. doesn't work yeah it doesn't work yeah, as yeah. well as olaf oh. olaf works <laughs> to the extent that frozen works yes <laughs> hashtag yeah. tangled is better <laughs> burn <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean when i come across either a strange adaptation or a bad one uh, i'm really tempted to try to psychoanalyze the people who made the movie. And mm-hmm. I'm forced to the conclusion that the movie was never intended to start a series because if it had oh, been yeah. intended to start a series, they might've just started, you know, with the book of three and because they wanted to go straight to the black cauldron, you still had to have the origin of Taran and the oracular pig Henwen, mm-hmm. which is done in the book of three. And right. so like, it's this mishmash of the two because you have the horned King as the big bad. And one thing that I love about the books is that, Aron Deathlord is the main big bad guy, but it's only in the final book that you actually see that character. Mm-hmm. And in every other case, you have a lot of other adversaries, mo- more minor adversaries, like, you know, uh, I don't know, what, what would you call them? Uh, small bosses? <laughs> right. <laughs> level bosses. <laughs> Mid-level bosses, uh, <laughs> early level bosses and that kind of stuff, who are all working under Iran's orders or working their own game or getting corrupted by things. And so mm-hmm. in this movie, you have essentially all of the bad guys drawn down into just the Horned King. And, right. you know, highlight of the movie, I think the voice performance from John Hurt is pretty good. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. And he's very creepy. Yeah. The narration by John Houston is pretty good, too. Yeah. It's narration. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Between the three things that we've praised, uh-huh. those are most everything that was praised by the critics that reviewed this movie back in 1985. True, true. <laughs> That's it. Roger Ebert liked it. <laughs> he did. Did he it's, really? It's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's just not a particularly good one. Yeah. 
I think also, you know, they wanted to they wanted to take this material, which is young adult material, and skew it even a little younger. So mm. because, well, yeah, I don't know because the books, like I read them when I was, you know, ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere around there, mm. and the movie, I feel like wanted to be for even younger kids, younger even though it's that. super yeah. dark. So because they made Taran into the the generic Disney prince kind of guy, right? Where he looks eight years old in the movie to me. Right. Disney Prince Child. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I was thinking really, through reading the book. And mm-hmm. reading the book, he seems, you know, at least, I don't know, preteen, teen, something. Yeah, I, I picture him as 14 or 15 in the book of three. Yeah. Versus like eight in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, th- you know, that then leads to Gurgi being even sillier. Uh, mm-hmm. It leads to Fluter being even more bumbling than he is. Right. Um, it, you have the Horn King's minion who has to carry quite a bit of weight. Yeah. It yeah, but it does not explain how genuinely scary the Horn King actually is. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, Fluter didn't man match up at all in my opinion. No. No. I, he wasn't I mean he was uh voiced by Nigel Hawthorne, who uh you you will know Which from cool Demolition Man. Over, but yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um Lloyd Alexander, evidently, his reaction was, first, I have to say, there is no resemblance between the movie and the book. Having said <laughs> that, the movie in itself, purely as a movie, I found to be very enjoyable. In other words, okay. the check cleared. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully well, it did, th- because they didn't go. make any money on this movie. And it, it almost no. took Disney down. Really? This movie did? Uh, from what I understand. Um, wow. So, Well, it did yeah. not make its, its uh, budget back at the box office, that's for sure. No. No, it didn't. Um, and that's probably one just a long string of failures. Yeah. I wonder if the time to adapt it had something to do with it, you know, where it gets worked and reworked and worked again. And at the end, your bread dough is just too glutinous. Could be. Because <laughs> they got the rights in 71. Mm. Oh, wow. So 14 years later, movie pops out. Is it overcooked? <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. I'll have to see if I can find, I found a, a video about the, oh no, maybe it was, no, it wasn't in the Lloyd Alexander documentary. I know I, I saw a video that talked about the history of it. And I can't remember if it was the Nostalgia Critic one or something else, but I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes because it's, mm. it's an interesting case study. I also, I will put a, a link in the show notes to somebody who thinks that it, that the Black Cauldron movie is one of Disney's best movies. So, you know, takes all kinds. Sure. Sure. Um, I'd like to see that argument. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and if it was written in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of those ones. I mean, Colin and I have talked about this, um, about w- why haven't we seen a live action remake yet of this movie or, or a readaptation of the entire series? Because mm-hmm. they made Lord of the Rings. And I think you're right. <laughs> it would be it's almost, it'd be the same thing, but shorter. In fact, I think it would probably been to be better, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it could, uh, it could be longer in a lot of ways, right? Because the Lord of the Rings is technically one book. Right. But, well, uh, they kind of covered the first book in the first, first book, six the first books. movie and so forth and so on. Yeah. 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 But it's one contiguous story where, where the Chronicles of Burdain are more episodic. True. Uh, it's more like uh, the oh, Chronicles okay. of Narnia, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's closer to that, and and you know the history with those adaptations hasn't been fantastic either, and and that one I think you know mm-hmm. to James's point about Lord of the Rings is I feel like they learned the wrong lessons from the Lord of the Rings, and so then tried to press the Chronicles of Narnia into a Lord of the Rings mold, 
and right. and center the yeah. the the climax of the movie around big battles. And there are big battles in the Chronicles of Narnia, but you know that's not what they're yeah. really about. Um, right. That's so, actually what I liked about yeah. the Book of Three and the Black Cauldron was that they almost ignored all of that. Right. And focused focused just around Tyrion and his immediate party. Yeah. And I I kept thinking almost the entire time as I was reading both of these books in Lord of the Rings, they focused on the, the, the fellowship like that, but also the rest of the world too. Right. And if they had tried to do that in this book, it would have been infinitely longer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before yeah. we get to, I mean, I want to come back to those, those points about the, the book. Let's just wrap up talking about the movie. I thought we did. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Biggest, one of the worst things about the movie, and there's several, but one of the worst things is that th- the resurrection of Gurgi. And of mm-hmm. course you had to do it in a Disney movie, but you know, <laughs> right. one, w- did anybody really like Gurgi? <laughs> <laughs> and two. He was it, a terrible Schmeagol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he kind of takes away his sacrifice to bring him back. I think it would have been cool if they went if they went the super dark right. route where where the the witches are like oh yeah sure you can have him back and he comes back and he's just a cauldron born <laughs> Twilight Zone ending <laughs> or like the end of Shaun of the Dead <laughs> he's chained up in a shed playing Xbox deal <laughs> yeah so I would like to see these readapted maybe we can talk more about that uh, toward the end how about that when we say what we would do to make it better yeah when we right. when we say how we, how we would like to adapt these books. You know, the one thing I'll, I'll try and say in Disney's defense is that, you know, over the la- the previous 50 or 60 years, they had done a fantastic job of taking source material and adapting them into stories that really resonated with audiences. Mm-hmm. If you go back and reread the original Cinderella or Snow White or Pinocchio uh, story, uh, Mary Poppins, they are radically different from the yes, source material. They are. It's just in this case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The Disney magic didn't quite take. No. All right, so let's talk about books. We'll talk about the Book of Three from books. 1964 and the Black Cauldron from 1965. Uh, you know, Colin and I talked about we both read them when we were much younger, and then mm-hmm. in both of our cases, we came back to them as adults, right? Yep. I realize that even though I can see you on Skype, anybody listening to us can't see that, so I'll, I'll try to remember to be verbal. Yes, verbal responses are best <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> so you, did you read them to your boys? I did, all five. Nice, me too. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying now. What? Well, so when you said, did you bring to your boys? And Colin said, all five. I'm like, but you only got two. <laughs> I've been meaning to tell you, James. <laughs> the other three were sold out for medical experimentation. <laughs> we keep them in the basement and feed them fish heads. <laughs> yes. You've seen Sloth from the Goonies? Cauldron born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I've, I've read these like five times since I came back to them as an adult when I when I, I ran across them in the library when I was looking for stuff for Ethan. And I thought, oh, yeah. they're a little, maybe a little bit over his head still at this point. That was in like 2004. He was only like three. And I, I loved them when I was a kid and I still love them now. And our library has all of them on digital audiobook format. And those are good. Oh, wow. Cool. Yep. So James, uh, you watched yes. the movie and then you read two of the books. So what did you think of the books? Uh, I thought they were pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like I said, Lord of the Rings light. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And th- that's the thing. If you have something as classic as Lord of the Rings, uh, anything right. else that touches on similar uh, themes and, and settings mm-hmm. is going to be yeah. considered derivative. I was still kind of annoyed by Taron, but I, I guess I understood his story arc. And by the end of the second book, 
Black Cauldron. Um, I wasn't too annoyed by him anymore, I guess. Right. It's, it's kind of like Luke in the trilogy, Star Wars trilogy. Right. Know? Yes. I hate him in The New Hope. He's bloody I annoying as hell. I wanted to go to Tashi Station. <laughs> right. But, you know, come come return Jedi. He's all right. You know, it's yeah. all good. <laughs> uh, so, James, you were talking about something earlier, and I was going to take a note down, and I did not. What were you saying? I enjoyed in the books how they focused more on Terran and his immediate party, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to um, everything else that was going on around the immediate area with the rest of the care extended characters of the book yeah and to me it was particularly poignant with the uh in the second book in black cauldron with the raid on erwin's castle to get the black cauldron in the first place yes. now, they didn't even describe that they just got right. to the point and then you know uh get gwydion and his party went off and they're like, terran's all bored and in fighting with the other guys and mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden gwydion's back and they're like oh crap run for hell <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know it's like Okay, I'm on board with this. I- I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the narrative really does stay focused on Tarn and the companions. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It just keeps it focused mm-hmm. and it I mean it's not it's not boring either because there's it, just they keep it focused and fast moving and fast paced. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's why I was able to read these books each in like a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like you're saying about the the focused part of the narrative is the we talked about the movie how it consolidates a bunch of stuff down to just the one one bad guy. Where in this movie, I started writing down who are the adversaries in the Black Cauldron, in just the Black Cauldron, not in the Book of Three. Because in the Book of Three, obviously, you you have the Cauldron Born in there. You have the Horned King. You have mm-hmm. uh, Ocran. You have the Gwythaints. Mm-hmm. You've got a bunch of uh, enemies in right. there. But right. in the Black Cauldron itself, you have... Uh, one of the main antagonists is Eladir, right? Who's who's this right. other uh, young character who looks down on Tarn, of course, because he's not of noble birth. Mm-hmm. Pig boy. Pig, Pig boy, boy, yes. Um, you have Morgant, who Patch is- Patch cloak. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, you, you have Morgant, who is a good guy, despite the fact he has an obvious bad guy name. <laughs> right. I mean- uh, Well, is he though? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, well, yes. Well, he, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> With a name like like Mordred in, like Mordred, in the Arthur yeah, books, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You have you have the witches who are a bit of an adversary at some point. You have the huntsmen of Anuvan, which are really cool. Um, right. Where if you if yeah. you kill one, then the other ones get the quickening and and level up. Yeah, that reminds me of something out of EverQuest. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it somewhere else too. And I can't yeah. remember where. And then, then you have the cauldron as well, right? Because it's it's this right. difficult thing to move, and and so it's got so much richness in there. Even in you know, it's only a two hundred page novel, but mm-hmm. it's got it's got all of that in there. And through it all, you have Taran taking this journey about you know he wants to find honor for himself, right? He has to admit at some point, and Ilanwi is the one who who lets him know, uh, hey, <laughs> you're kind of all about your honor too. Taran, um, because right. he's he's been ragging on Eladir about that. And I feel like I kind of got to back up a point real quick. Okay, the, the witches, the witches in the book, mm-hmm. I don't feel were actually evil necessarily. No, no, they weren't. Especially, uh, actually, pretty, pretty, uh, what Swiss, <laughs> very neutral. <laughs> oh, I yes. don't know. Orgok wanted to eat some. Wanted to eat somebody. Yeah, but who doesn't want to yeah. eat frogs? Come on. <laughs> uh, Frog legs are good. <laughs> but uh, I. It's like they're not really evil per se, more just you do what you want to do and we'll yeah. do this. They are what they know. are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like that. They yeah. are what they are. Yeah, yeah, they're like a force of nature. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the hands of fate. Right. Yeah. And very literally yeah. in a couple places, right? Yes. And they, I like how they never really steered any of them to make the choices they wanted them to make. They just kind of let them make the choices and it ended up being the choices they wanted to make due to their foreknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like something I would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tarin being, you know, the assistant pig keeper, the pig boy, right? He, pig he of boy. course, like from the very beginning of, of the book of three, right? Teach me. I want, I want to make swords. I want to, I want to learn how to sword fight. You know, he wants adventure. He wants excitement just like Luke. Right. Mm-hmm. And, he he so wants to be honorable and he is very honorable he's he's kind of, he's more annoying in the book of 3 than in in the black cauldron where in the black cauldron he wants yeah. to be given a responsibility and once he is he takes it very seriously so much that when elidir comes and says i can get the cauldron out of the mud for you but you're going to have to tell everybody that i was the one who found it and you know tarin gives his word and it's it's a cool thing about the companions that they they clearly honor and love Tarin enough to abide by his wishes there when, why would they? Um, he's mm-hmm. just a kid, you know, Fluter is a King. He, he could assert himself, but he doesn't. Um, yes. And, and so he gives his word about that and he's really conflicted about breaking it even after Eladir betrays them and tries to kill them. And I thought it was an interesting growth thing that then when they're captured by um, Morgan and Morgan essentially gives him the, the option, you can join up with me and I'll spare your friends lives. Uh, or you can go into the cauldron. Mm-hmm. And he, even though he really was conflicted about breaking his word to Eladir, he, he now realizes, okay, I'm going to give my word to Morgan and then break it because, because making a deal with someone like this, it doesn't count because the person you're giving your word to isn't honorable. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of a single word that would use, you would use to describe the black cauldron. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about sacrifice. Yes, very much. You know, uh, all the good people end up sacrificing things continuously through the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A day on, uh, Gurgi's willing to sacrifice. Ilanwi's mm-hmm. willing to sacrifice. Uh, Taran makes several sacrifices. Yep. Fluter uh, tries to yeah. makes a sacrifice in the end. Yeah. I love the moment when, when, uh, they're with the witches and the witches are, are saying, yeah, we'll trade you something for the cauldron. And Taran immediately knows the, the brooch is what they want. Um, mm-hmm. or he consents it, I think, or, mm-hmm. or he, he knows that this is the thing that I don't want to give up. And so then, yeah, um, Gurgi and Fluter and Ilan, we all try to give up something that's precious to them. And that's, that's really cool. That, and that's one thing that I love about the books is it's very consistent throughout the series about the companions. It's always about them. It's always about what mm-hmm. quest they're on. And that's mm-hmm. cool. It's always about the fellowship of the cult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Fluter. Um, Fluter cracks me up because he's he's clearly an amusing character, but he's also very valiant when it when it comes to it, and mm-hmm. not just because mm-hmm. he says a flam is valiant. <laughs> but I love it when he does that. A flam never fails. Yes, a flam never flags. But I could sleep the, yeah. the clock round, right? <laughs> like you were saying, Colin, the sacrifice thing. Because yeah, um, you know. Adeon is sacrificed to the quest, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. because he tells he tells Taran to make the decision, even though he has he's had a premonition that he's not willing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so Taran sacrifices his friend, essentially, and then the the brooch, and then the honor of claiming the cauldron, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. In the end, he's willing to sacrifice his honor to save his friends. Right. Well, and he's willing to jump into the cauldron. Right. When Morgan tells him that they're going to be going into the cauldron, Taran tells him to throw him in right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, right. it is, it is a cool redemption arc for, for Eladir. Um, you know, you have, you have him, he's clearly 
a character you can feel bad for because he's a a younger prince who has to try to win his own honor, even though he he's been subsisting on the leftovers of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's also a punk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel bad for him. It's yeah. Whenever I see characters like that, I I feel the huge loss of what they could have been of what they could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Morgan as a King, right? I mean, he was obviously very organized. Yeah. The loss in potential. Yep. Yeah. But, um, but you know, Elidir gets a nice moment at the, at the end when he realizes, Hey, I'm, I'm, I have enough strength to, to get up there and get to the cauldron. And it's, you know, it's the right ending for it, for, for his character to die in that and not be able to be brought back. That that's why it means something. Yes. Unlike the movie. (laughs) Unlike the movie. Yeah. What did you think about Dernwin in the, uh, in the movie? And James, do you even know what I mean by Dernwin? The sword? Oh yeah, you do. Of course you've read the books now. He's on top yeah. of it. He's there. Right. He's with it. He's hip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dur- Derwin in the movie is not Derwin in the book. <laughs> no, Derwin in the movie was like a lightsaber. <laughs> it is right. a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. And, and and there is a great moment with Derwin in The High King, just saying. Um, so you should keep going. Okay. Roger that. Yeah. yeah. So you have the Kindle books, so you can keep reading, right? No. James? No. Oh, you didn't buy the Kindle books? No, I, no, didn't. Didn't. I didn't buy them. Okay, I will deliver you books so that you may not, you know, languish without being yes. you know, Alexandered. Yeah, that'd yes. be cool. I'm game. Yes. Um, anything else about, about the actual books before we talk about how we could improve the movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we didn't talk a lot about the Book of Three. And no, we the didn't. The book is mainly about the Black Cauldron, but you should say, you know, in addition to being an introduction to all the characters, characters that we're going to see throughout the entire five-book series – Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. I think it stands pretty well on its own. I mean, Tarin is still Tarin, but younger and more impetuous and more impulsive. And yeah, you know, uh, I think Ilanwi does a great job as his as his foil and yes. uh, almost comic relief by always putting the the beat down on him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> makes him all the time. Be yeah, I thought she was being awesome. an assistant beekeeper. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be curious to see how she uh, develops through the through the series. Yeah. Well. <laughs> We can tell you that there seems to be a book missing from the series. Um, <laughs> oh no! Uh, where, okay. where there, there's there's a reference in I think it's book five that talks about how Ilanwi had had some kind of adventures or or done something, uh-huh. and you you never learn about it. And it's, it's it's too bad. It's, oh uh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Actually, I do have one question about her since mm-hmm. we're on that topic. Is she human or is she like some sort of elf or something in the books? No, she's, she's human. human. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. she is of the race of Dawn. Is she? Yes. For some reason, in when I was reading, I just like kept picturing her as like an elf, basically. Yeah. As a daughter of Angerad, she uh, she can wield yeah. magic, and normal humans right. can't do that. She's oh, okay. a fair skin, they got blonde hair, the magic elf. Side. It's, just, it's all ringed elf to me. <laughs> right. I always just pictured her as Eowyn from yeah. um, the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was always on Team Eowyn, just that. saying. Right. But I like blondes. She is no man. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and- I mean, maybe we should bring this around to, I mean, you, you did mention, right. The book of three, um, and not a ton happens in the book of three, really. Like every time I read it, I'm like, okay, yeah, there, there is some, it, like it introduces you to the geography right. of, of Pridane, right? right. And you, you even get the, the Valley of Medwin, right. Who is apparently Noah. <laughs> Which is right. And you know, the origins of these books are in some wealth myth. That's really hard to say. Welsh (laughs) mythology. Say that five times. Right. Welsh mythology. Yes. (laughs) Actually, I I kind of thought Medwin would pop back up somehow. 
He, he was very, you know, wizard to me. Kind of reminded me of the wizard cast from Loader. Mm. <laughs> it uh, reminded me of, I mean, it's it's kind of like, um, he's kind of like Bayorn in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. get like the brown wizard, yeah. Yeah, Radagast. maybe that too. Yeah, yeah. Radagast. Yeah. Radagast, yeah. He's got poop on his hat and birds <laughs> all over the place. I did not watch all of those movies, I have to admit. <laughs> maybe we could do a movie swap. I, I might be able to pers- be persuaded to watch one theoretically existent Star Trek movie if you would watch one more Hobbit. Ooh. I saw I saw the Hobbit. Oh, that's that's okay. another thing we didn't mention about the book. What's that? No singing. Thank yes. God. <laughs> Agreed. You and I will agree with that one. On, on that one. Um, I don't think we'll get agreement from Colin. <laughs> no, I. My big complaint about singing in books or poetry singing in books, I don't mind poetry in books at all, is that you never know what what uh, what rhythm goes to it. And I'm an instrumentalist. Exactly. That's a big thing. Exactly. That is my what, problem. That is what, what I hated about reading the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. How am I supposed yeah. to know what the dwarves and the elves are singing and what it's supposed to sound like? Right. I've always just kind of pictured the Lord, uh, like the elves doing like Gregorian chant right. and the dwarves bar songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't mind an isolated poem here and there, uh, a short one like you know the one ring to rule them all kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that that sets a tone. But um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of songs or poetry in books in my prose right. fiction. So, um, hmm. anything else to talk about? All right. You're gonna, yeah. If if you decide to read these books, these two books, because we've told you to, you might as well get the other three because you'll want to finish all five. Yes. And it will be a good thing if you do. It will. Yeah. yeah. I would totally recommend them. They're fun. Yep. So what would we do different in an adaptation? Glad you asked, Seth. Well, he, so here's a question. I'm, I'm going to focus it a little more for you. Let's say you wanted to remake The Black Cauldron. Uh, wait, Just what? The Black Cauldron. Just The Black Cauldron. Hey, the Disney movie or the book? If you wanted to remake a movie titled The Black Cauldron. Oh, okay. How, how do you do that? Because that's you know, that's what they tried to do here. With the movie. They tried to make the Black Cauldron without doing anything right. to set it up. Because like we said, right, there isn't a big bad in the book. There's several smaller adversaries. Mm-hmm. Well, the big, yeah, the big bad is the destruction of the cauldron. Yeah, that's the quest. That's the, the, the cauldron is the big MacGuffin of the movie. Right. And so you have to take it out of the realm of, I don't have to defeat a person. I have to achieve a thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. See, my, my worry would be. And this would be my fear for for any kind of remake, including uh, prestige television, you know, a, se- a season long thing. I would want it to still not show that invasion at the dark gate or whatever it was, where, where Dolly mm-hmm. went in there oh. and, and found out that the column yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. I still don't want to see right. that. I still, I mean, uh, I could see showing it in flashbacks as Dolly is recounting it, maybe, but I think it's sure. unnecessary. I, I would like it to stay, I'd like any ad- adaptation to still stay focused on the companions. Right. I could buy that. Yeah. So, I, sorry, I interrupted you. Well, no, so I was I was kind of thinking in loud. Um, one of the nice things about the books is that, it, except for book five, maybe book four, I think you can pick up each book one at a time and just work with it. Yeah. Right? You don't need a, a total introduction to Ilon, We, and Taran, and Dalbin, and Cole, and Gwydion, and Gurgi, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think you could just kind of drop in and go with it. Sure. Right, but I, I think you're going to lose so much potential. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when we talked about this earlier, it I think it's a four or five season television series. 
Oh, I see. I've got you. I've got you wavering because you said five from the beginning. <laughs> so, we, we, James, we need you to read the rest of the series, and then, <laughs> and then we can do a patron-only discussion. On, so, you're on thinking you're topic. thinking the whole series would be a five? Oh, okay, so like a season per book, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. ten okay. episodes, maybe twelve episodes if you need them. Yeah. Keep it really tight, really focused. It, it right. doesn't need a standard American twenty-two episode season. Right? No, no, no. Right, right. I say six to ten. Yeah, it'd oh, be sure. like uh, Game that. of Thrones. Game of Thrones is like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there isn't as I'd much on that. as those books. Okay. So yeah, yeah. and and the the point where Seth and I because we've been debating this you know on disc golf courses and and running and other times <laughs> literally for months since we decided we were going to do this <laughs> um, is what happens to book four. Yeah. Right. Th- these books are really about Tarin's journey and his maturing and who he is and who mm-hmm. he's going to become. Right. And if you watch the Lloyd Alexander documentary, what you'll find out is that it was originally planned for three books. It became four books. He wrote, he actually wrote The High King and turned it in. And his editor said, Lloyd, there's a book mixing. And so he, he took a step back and he kind of did a bunch of planning. <laughs> and he actually planned out two more books one about Tarin's journey between book three and five, and one about Ilanwi's. That book just focused on her. Never saw the light of day. But but if you're one of our listeners and you are either in Salt Lake City, Utah, or you are in <laughs> Philadelphia, his papers are in both of those places. I, I don't think they're exact copies, but you could go through them and find out what there is. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I would be interested okay. to see what happened with, with Ailanwi. You know, was it just her yeah. going to finishing school or was it something else? <laughs> you know, you look at her behavior at the beginning of book five and she, she's a much more mature Ilanwi, but mm-hmm. she is still Ilanwi. Oh yeah. That would be disappointing if she wasn't. Yeah. Yes. She was, she was one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah. She's fantastic. <laughs> and, and I, yeah. you know, when, when I was in, uh, you know, sixth grade, I had a huge crush on Ilanwi. So. <laughs> well, she's blonde. No. So. Yep. And she likes to hold a ball. <laughs> Bobble. <laughs> <laughs> you call them what you will. <laughs> yeah. I think they really uh really bobbled this adaptation. I'd have to agree with you, sir. Nice. Bobbled <sighs> adaptation. I like it. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, I got my homework. I'm gonna read the other three books now. Right on. Bonus episode. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to do that. Um so yeah. you can either get them from from Colin or from me. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so is we it got rank? Oh yeah, <laughs> is that really a question? <laughs> uh, is it? Uh, I don't think it is. I mean, it, it's it's a high recommend from from all of us. I think about the books. If you're yeah, a completist and you want to, you know, you want to watch all the Disney movies, The Black Cauldron is definitely one of the ones that you probably didn't even hear about before <laughs> this podcast. Um, I I I will say that when I've looked at videos that talked about The Black Cauldron. There was always a bunch of people down in the comments who are like, I didn't even know these were books. And so, oh, so I'm really, uh, yeah. really gratified that, that there are people who saw the movie and then sought out the books. I think that was part of Lloyd Alexander's hope. You, know, you, you read a quote from him, and I, I've got a different one here that's from uh, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I have to say there is no resemblance between the movie and the book. <laughs> Having said that, the movie in itself, purely as a movie, I found to be very enjoyable. I had fun watching it. What I would hope is that anyone who sees the movie would certainly enjoy it, but I'd also hope they'd actually read the book. The book is quite different. It's a very powerful, very moving story, and I think people would find a lot more depth in the book. I agree. 
Yeah. Already. Uh, yeah. We're unanimous that the books are better than the movie. Yeah, I think so. Wow, does that happen very often? How often do you have two books adapted into one 80-minute movie? <laughs> well, true. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll sign off. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you to all our supporters on Patreon. Um, and if you want to support there, you can go to the address I said a couple minutes ago. Uh, assuming that I kept that in. <laughs> so <laughs> now I'm going to have to put that in the blooper reel if I decide to edit it out. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you can contact us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash pavement podcast. You can tweet at us at pavement podcast, which Colin man's the stick for that one. Right, Colin? Somewhat. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> um, or you can shoot us an email feedback at pavementpodcast.com. And we'll talk to you next time. We'll leave you with the traditional pavement pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the book always fall open to where you left off. And then may you continue on to book three and book four and book five. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Ciao. Well, welcome Ciao. back, everybody. What? I was going to say what? tally ho. How <laughs> <laughs> you let me do my thing, man? <laughs> Fally four. Yes. Sally I guess I could have edited you out, so yeah. gotta yeah. just press on. All right. So she said. Oh, what are we doing next? I don't know. We did just get a comment on the Facebook page. It was Emmanuel Dubois. That sounds right. Emmanuel, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. He he suggested that we watch Slaughterhouse Five. So we've been trying to figure out how to do a co watch together. Mm-hmm. Where we actually are all in the same place and watching one. Colin and I were thinking of doing, uh, getting a projector and doing an outdoor movie. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I actually have two two requests from Emily. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Time Machine and Jaws. Jaws oh, is Jaws adapted. is a good summer movie. It's not science fiction per se. Yeah, it's I guess it's though. it's biology, right? <laughs> it's science fiction. Who else makes a giant shark like that? True. <laughs> is it adapted? It is. Yes. Yeah. I and it says so in the credits, and it's got the best music ever. True. <laughs> and it's a fantastic movie. Colin, yeah. is that one you haven't seen? That is correct. Wow. Really? Oh, yes. I mean, that nice. is a fantastic summer movie. It's great music, too. You'll really like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Williams. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, we'll have and to it's got some. And uh, it's got some historical reference in it, too. One of the... I don't know if... Do you remember this, Seth? The The... The fisherman, the shark hunter guy. Oh, talks yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. The USS it, Indianapolis. It's got some Navy stuff involved in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was very well aware of that. They've yeah. actually, it, that incident actually uh, like changed the way the Navy does survival at sea. Huh. Well, so it's, wow. maybe, maybe we'll get back Real to talking stuff. about that. We yeah. unfortunately have an embarrassment of suggestions right now uh, for Take Me to Your Reader because we also have Michael asked if we might be willing to do On the Beach because one of the movies is very Australian and the book is set in Australia. Uh, he suggested like Harrison. Australia. Yeah. He, su- he <laughs> suggested Harrison Bergeron, which is a short story and it has one short movie and one full length movie. I actually have um, an anthology that I need to pick up from the library that has that story in it. So we could do that. Uh, you know, Michael has been one of our, yeah. you know, he's been, he's our, our number one fan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number one supporter. Um, and then he, he and I actually already did a patron only episode. So if you want to listen to it, you need to sign up at patreon.com slash Hugo's podcast. Um, and we did that one just on the short story. So there was a short story, which was then expanded into a novel. And then it's been adapted, I think twice, uh, one of them, Academy, uh, an Academy award-winning film. So 
Oh, wow. That would be something that'd be interesting to do. That story is also in the anthology that I just got, which is fascinating. So, <laughs> wow. Oh, cool. Um, so, so yeah, we can, we could pick something up from Michael. I do like the idea of doing Jaws before the end of the summer. Right. <laughs> but it is a full length novel. Yeah, I, yeah. Who is it? Peter Benchley. That's right. Peter Benchley. Yeah. I knew this. Yeah. Yes. I've been wanting to read it for years. I just haven't gotten to it. And I'm, I'm liking this projector idea too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we okay. should probably wrap up. We've been rambling a bit. All right. Okay. By the way, you guys, I, uh, I asked Michael when I, when I was on the call with him the other day, I said, Hey, did you ever figure out what the gimmick was from our April fools episode? And he went, no, I don't think I did. And so I told him that you weren't actually there. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it now. So. You edited it, edited it very Brutal. well. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Maybe I'll put that in the blooper reel. 